Support for Charlotte Readers Podcast is provided by Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, a connector of readers, leaders, and learners with 20 locations and a 24-hour online presence at cmlibrary.org. Welcome to Charlotte Readers Podcast, where authors give voice to the written words. In this episode, guest memoirist Rachel Brooks leads the interview with Hope Anderson, author of How to Remodel Life, A Guide to Living Well with Alcoholism and Bipolar Disorder, a memoir and self-help guide for those struggling with addiction and mental health issues. Using a house remodel as a metaphor, Hope provides the necessary tools and life lessons to uplift spirits while speaking candidly about her own life. Michael D. Lemonick, author of The Perpetual Now, had this to say about the book. If you're going to rehab a house that has fallen into disrepair, you obviously need the proper tools. If you're going to repair a life overshadowed by addiction and mental illness, you need tools too. But you can't exactly run down to the local hardware store to find them. What you can do, however, is read this intimate, powerful, and uplifting book. Hope Anderson has transformed her own very challenging life into what she calls an oasis of serenity, and she's used the lessons she has learned to create not just one, but a series of toolkits that could do the same for you. It's a remarkable achievement. My name is Landis Wade, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm a recovering trial lawyer turned author turned podcaster of books and stories, and I really appreciate you being here with us today. You can find out more about me at my author website, LandisWade.com, and I'd love to have you visit. For all things related to the podcast, check out CharlotteReadersPodcast.com. You can find a lot of great resources there. We have show notes of every episode with pictures of the authors, photographs of their book covers, links to their websites and social media, and more. And we have the community blog there. It's a collection of readerly and writerly content provided by writers in the community and authors who've been on the show. And you can sign up for the book report at our website, charlotteroospodcast.com. We send it out every two weeks. It's free. We don't spam you. That takes way too much time. We just keep you updated on what's going on with the podcast, provide a dose of inspiration, provide some free content from time to time, some links and other fun stuff related to the uh, reading and writing world. We're a proud member of the Queen City Podcast Network and the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, a collection of author-hosted podcasts putting out uh, this kind of content to a worldwide audience. And you can find us pretty much anywhere you like to listen to your podcast. You can also check out our Patreon page. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash Charlotte Readers Podcast. This is a place where we provide exclusive content uh, for our supporters. For just a few dollars a month, we provide access to exclusive audio interviews between me and authors who have appeared on the show where they share their wisdom about uh, writing and the business of writing. It's a great way to get a good education if you're a lifelong learner like I am. But enough with this prologue. Let's meet today's author. Our guest host today is Rachel Brooks. Uh, She's first-time author of Beads, a memoir about falling apart and putting yourself back together again who currently lives in Raleigh with her husband and two children. She is a sexual assault survivor and has an active role in the Survivor Speakers Bureau at a local nonprofit organization since 2013, of which she also sits on the board of directors. Rachel was on the podcast. You can go check her out there. Just go to our guest list page and uh, look at the alphabetical list, first names. You'll find Rachel there. Uh, you'll find Hope there, uh, you know, 
today <laughs> when you listen. <laughs> so, so without uh, without uh, me taking up any more time, I'm going to turn the podcast steering wheel over to Rachel Brooks and let her lead the discussion. I appreciate it, Landis. Thank you so much for having me as a guest host. And I'd like to welcome you as well, Hope. Well, thank you. And thank you for being here and having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, well, first off, I just want to say that I could not have enjoyed your book more. I think that there were so many little nuggets of um, goodness, as I like to call them, that I took away from the book. Um, and it really is, um, it, it's a its a book for, for anybody. I think that there is something for everyone in this book. And so I absolutely love your use of a house as a metaphor for rebuilding your life. Can you talk us through some of those different stages that you modeled through your recovery and, and how you um, use that metaphor to write your book? Sure. Um, I think the, the beginning of my recovery had to start with laying a foundation and that's where the book begins in laying a foundation. And the foundation for me was to accept that my recovery was going to be spiritually based, that it was going to follow a spiritual path. And so I had to develop a relationship with some kind of spirit life outside myself that was going to help me on this journey. And then going along the path, there are things like um, the next chapter, I think, is called Letting Light In. You know, I am bipolar, so I have a tendency toward mania and depression, and more on the depressive side, I think. And how do you let um, light into, in a house, it's easy. You put in skylights, you put in day windows, you enlarge the size of your windows. But how do you let light into your life? And I think um, in my toolkits, I have things like humor and um, playfulness and um, positivity and other tools like that that help with the process of letting light into your life. Um, then as I went along the path, I found that there were things like, okay, well, now that I'm on medication that's helping me with my bipolar disorder and I'm not depressed and manic all the time, what do I need to do to take care of myself? And that was where the rusty pipes um, metaphor came in. And that had to do with taking care of what I put in my body. You know, um, coming into the program, I had been both anorexic and bulimic and also a binge eater. And so I had to learn how to have a, a healthy relationship with food and a healthy relationship with my weight and not just um, focusing on numbers all the time and just looking at food as the fuel for my body. And so I have a whole section in there on, you know, getting a healthier attitude toward eating and also what you put into your mind in terms of negative thinking or um, negative, 
news or television stuff that you're watching or whatever, um, I have to be very careful about what I get attracted to and what I'm feeding myself. And um, so I'm pretty selective about that now. Um, I'm trying to think about, oh, another uh, part of my path to recovery is called Raise the Roof. And it's about your job and how you find yourself in your job and how you're using that to express your authentic self. And um, I was a teacher for many, many years. And while I love my students mostly, um, and I certainly love the literature I was teaching, I found teaching in public school to be very, very draining. And mm-hmm. I, I really, it did not feed my soul. And so when I was not hired back <laughs> after um, a number of years of teaching, I was actually quite delighted because, A, it left me time for my husband who was sick at the time. Yes. And it also left me time to concentrate on myself and taking care of myself, which was something that wasn't happening when I was working from six in the morning until 10 at night. So yeah, definitely a blessing, a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. So I want to back up just a little bit and um, go back to some of those earlier before you started laying the foundation And you made the decision, the very difficult decision to stop drinking at the age of 25. Yes. And I want to talk about first off, what led you to that moment? And then if you could recall, you know, what were those immediate next days like for you? I know it was a good while ago, but I think it's so important to highlight that monumental decision in your life and, um, you know, how you started to build your foundation from there? Well, alcohol had been part of my life since I was a young girl. Um, I think I had my first drink when I was on my grandpa's lap when I was about four years old. And my parents didn't encourage, but they allowed us to drink from the time I was 12. We would have gin and tonics in the summer. And, you know, and I was drinking pretty much daily by the time I was 16 years old. Mm. And what, what happened with um, the alcohol was that it just robbed me of myself. It, I found myself turning into another person when I drank and I couldn't predict my behavior. I couldn't predict my actions. I couldn't predict the person I was going to become. And I became a very irritable, angry, discontent person and very suicidal. And um, so by the time I was 23, I just felt like I was going to be dead before I was 40. I I despaired over my life. And um, I was so desperate that I fell to my knees and I said, God, please help me. And I didn't even believe in God. I didn't know. I had long lost my relationship with God many years before. Um, And so things started happening in my life that were like these little 
I see them now as little miracles that um, transpired that brought me to the 12-step program that I belong to. And, um, you know, I sometimes think I was so young when I came in, but but you had you had lived a life. But I had then. lived a life by then, and <laughs> I I had had enough. And, um, you know, as far as those first few days, in the beginning, when I was first, it was first suggested to me that I go to a meeting. I didn't know what this person was talking about. I hadn't ever heard of the program. I hadn't ever. Um, it just didn't seem right for me. I couldn't imagine myself being an alcoholic. Um, so I listened, but it was all garbled in my mind. Mm. It was all just kind of a different language. And it was only when I started to go to meetings and listen to other people and start to identify with their stories and hear my story in their stories that it all began to make sense. And I began to... Um, get what the program was trying to tell me. Mm-hmm. And I started, you know, really becoming engaged in the 12 steps. So that is, that is incredible. And definitely takes a lot of, um, a lot of courage and, and just recognition that you needed help, even if it didn't quite set in at first. Um, so here at the Charlotte readers podcast, we invite our guests to do a reading from their story of their choice. And I'd like to invite you, Hope, to uh, read a few excerpts that you have picked out. Okay, I'm, I'm going to read from the back of my book. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, that this is from a chapter called The New House. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the process of remodeling a home can be expensive, exhausting, and often frustrating. There are months when the kitchen is being redone, for example, where your dishes, pots and pans, glasses, mugs, cutlery and china are packed away in boxes and shoved behind the Christmas decorations in the basement. You eat out more, gain weight and grow grumpy with the frequent delays. When the wrong cabinets come in and you have to send out for new ones, another six weeks go by and you are ready to tear your hair out. Remodeling is never as seamless as reality television would lead you to believe. Whose reality is it that shows the process, which really takes several months, if not more, stuffed into an hour-long segment? Intellectually, you know it can't be so. It won't be that easy, but the promise nevertheless lingers. In truth, any kind of remodeling takes at least three times as long as you expect it to. There is a rule of thumb that states it takes 90 days to change a habit, three months at least. This is true also of both remodeling a house and remodeling a life. So what does that mean to us? Should we not proceed? Should we not make the changes that are going to improve our quality of life? Hell no. Bring it on, I say. Just be prepared for a slow and steady process. Then at last comes the conclusion Suddenly, one day, you find yourself walking into your kitchen a month after the builders have left. All the dishes have been put in their proper places. The glassware sparkles through the new glass cupboard doors. Your favorite mug, now visible, beckons you to make a cup of tea. You sit in the comfy chair in the breakfast nook, a space that was never there before the renovation, and look out at this new creation. Gleaming, fresh, inviting, 
all these positive words pop into your mind. Looking at the little blue vase filled with daffodils that sits on the countertop, you sigh. Peace. That is what all the hardship of remodeling has brought you. Another chapter has come to a close. Peace. When I look back on the decades during which my life has been under construction, and still is today, I marvel that I didn't just give up, walk into the ocean, and never come back. There were times when life was so painful, so heavy, I thought I couldn't bear its weight. But I kept going one step at a time. I heard the message, stick around until the miracle happens. So I did, waiting for the miracle to occur. Of course, miracles were occurring all the time. I just couldn't always see them. I didn't know then what the miracle would look like, but I think I know now. It is the miracle of sobriety, the miracle of a marriage that stayed together, the miracle of three amazing children, the miracle of, a, of family and friends. And this is just the beginning. The miracle is how I absolutely trust that the universe is a safe, loving place where there is enough for everyone. It is a place where I am looked after and taken care of every minute, and I don't have to worry, fret, or push anymore. It is the belief that I have in myself all that I need to be happy in any circumstance, to succeed in all efforts, and to accept, accept setbacks graciously as a necessary part of life. In my miracle life, there are no chance encounters. Nothing is either too small to warrant my attention or too vast to overwhelm it. There is a reason for all things. My miracle may not be your miracle. You may think I am just blowing hot air, but my life has taken on a flow of its own. I ride on the back of my higher power who delights in all things good. Mine is a wonderful life, and I hope the tools I have shared with you in this little book help you find your miracle too. I feel free to sit in my comfy chair and look around at my remodeled life. So shiny, so fresh, so inviting. All the hard work it took to get to this point has been worth it. Of course, the remodel is never over. The journey continues. Thank you so much. That's just such a powerful and, and beautiful way to, to end your story. And I want to talk about my personal um, favorite chapter, um, the, the Master Suite. And how you say the master suite is the anchor that holds the new house plans together. And this is, you know, towards the end of the book that you start talking about this, you've got your foundation laid and um, you've rewired some things and, and cleaned out your rusty pipes. And, and now you're really getting to caring for yourself. And that is kind of the metaphor for this master suite. And my absolute favorite line um, that I will carry this with me is, is don't should on yourself. And it's this whole notion that, you know, what, as you're talking about self-care and, um, just all the things that, um, you can do to take care of yourself. And I, I want, um, to just talk a little bit about this phrase, don't should on yourself and, and what that means. Um, cause I just, it resonated with me in such an incredible way. Well, obviously, it's kind of a play on words, right? Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I so, picked up on that. <laughs> okay. So um, 
But, you know, I spent so much of my life doing what I should do or mm-hmm. thinking, thinking I, I should be this, I should be that, I, I should weigh this, I should have this kind of a house, I should have this kind of a life, my children should behave this way. I mean, it was so controlled and so regulated and there was really very little room for flexibility or I don't want to say creativity because I've always been a very creative person, but um, it was just so controlled and so tight. And I think one of the gifts of growing old, because I'm old, um, <laughs> is that um, you relax. I have relaxed into my life and I am now doing the things that I want to do rather than I think I should do. I don't swim every day when the pool is warm enough because I think I should do it. I do it because I want to do it. I don't eat healthy food because I should do it. I do it because I want to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't go out of my way to help other people because I should do it. I do it because I want to do it. And that's that turn that takes place in your spiritual progress that has your life change from being this series of shoulds that are accompanied by resentments and anger and all kinds of other negative emotions into the pleasure of doing for others what you can do. I absolutely love that. And, um, you know, it's this, I want to read just one more um, part of this chapter. I I like to think of my self-care as my master suite, my room where I live, sleep, love, bathe, dress, where I spend at least eight hours a day. And I, and I think that that is so important to, to anybody really, who's not only, um, you know, recovering from, um, mental health or, or trauma or whatever it may be. I think that this is one of those areas of the book that, uh, that can really apply to so many lives. Um, so my, my last question, I want to talk about where are you today? What does your, what does a typical day look like for you now that you've, uh, quote unquote, remodeled this house and though it might not be perfect, it's um, definitely uh, one of that serenity that was mentioned uh, earlier. And so talk us through what a, what a day looks like for you today. Well, I have to preface this by saying that I have just gone through a hell of a year, not right, just with yeah. COVID, but I didn't know it, but my medication was changed in the early part of 2019. And it turns out I was allergic to that medicine. Mm. And I Mm -hmm. went through a year of my doctors telling me I had COVID and um, just all these awful symptoms and just feeling very depressed and despairing about my life. So I kind of got out of the rhythm that I had been in, you know? So, but I'm just getting out of that and I'm kind of back into being myself again now that they've discovered what the problem really was. And my typical day is that I'll wake up anywhere from, I'd say, six o'clock to 6.30. And mm-hmm. I go to a morning meeting pretty much every morning from seven to eight and then sometimes eight to nine. And 
Then I putter around the house, taking care of the things that need to be taken care of, like the dishes from the night before, if we haven't done them or, (laughs) you know, feeding the dogs, making the bed, doing that kind of stuff, cleaning up the dog hair. Um, A side note, a side note on the dishes. I also loved your, uh, your reference to you and your husband and how you, how you handle that. You, you are more on the, I just want to get it done so that it doesn't sit overnight, but your husband prefers to have it done in the morning. But a very wise uh, therapist told you that if you would like the dishes done, you either do them yourself or you just wait till the morning. That's right. That's right. <laughs> which, I, which is, yeah, I, I literally um, could have written that about my my own husband and myself. So yeah. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. But then I, I work, um, depending on what I have going on, like right now I'm waiting for some edits to come back on two books that are being published this year. So I, I'm in kind of a lull right now waiting for those edits to come back. But usually what I'm doing is writing in the mornings or um, working on editing until probably around noon or one o'clock. And then I um, take a walk or swim or do something like that. And then I come back and take a nap because I believe in naps. Mm -hmm. Uh And then I will maybe go swim again or something, depending on how um, energetic I'm feeling. And then I kind of settle into making supper and we eat supper and watch some TV and talk and just, you know, I mean, I, I have the easiest life that you could possibly imagine. It's really, <laughs> well, you've certainly earned it after, after your life, uh, lifelong journey here with, with, um, alcoholism and, and bipolar disorder. And, um, so it's great that you, you find time to write every day. And I know there was a period of time where you had given that up. Um, yes. what, brought you back to the, the writing. I love this story. Um, I had been a writer in my 20s, and I hung around with some very famous writers who were poet laureates and, you know, very, very, and they believed in me. They thought I was going to be the next great novelist on the scene. But I... <laughs> well, you are now. Well, but <laughs> alcohol really took that away from me. It just... Mm-hmm stymied me. And when I stopped drinking, I thought I couldn't write if I wasn't drinking. It was kind of a catch 22 situation. So I settled for going to graduate school and becoming a teacher and taught for like 25 years. And then um, what happened after I had been let go from my teaching job, my husband was very sick, as I said, and he ended up having to get a liver transplant and he was on the list at our local hospital for a year and a half. And meanwhile, getting sicker and sicker. And we finally went down to the Mayo clinic in Jacksonville, Florida to ask for a second opinion. And could they put him on their list? And they did a series of tests over a couple of weeks. And then the surgeon called us in and said, there's nothing we can do for him. He he'll be dead in three months. So, that was like, huh. you don't say that to people. You no. don't just come out and say that to people. That so we, we got into our car and 
listen to Garrison Keillor's Pretty Good Jokes tape all the way back to Charlotte. And then we just got very quiet for a couple of days and, you know, just let it sink in that if this was God's will, then this is it. This is what's going to happen. So we did things like made sure our will was in shape and mm. everything. And, um, and then the hospital that we originally went to called and said, we don't agree with um, Mayo and we're going to get you a liver. So they did. And he had a liver transplant. And now he has gone on to become a personal trainer. He is in the best shape of his life. He's um, amazing. He's an amazing man. He's just like Superman. And um, he keeps me on track as far as, you know, all the nutrition and everything else. Amazing. Meanwhile, I went to a conference with him at that time when he first got clear of his um, liver transplant, when he could go out and do stuff. Um, I went to a conference with him and I didn't know what I was going to do with my life because I'd been a caretaker for so long, taking care of my kids, of him, of my students, you know, nobody but myself. I hadn't taken care of myself at all. And, you know, aside from being sober, which was very good. But um, so we went to this hotel and I brought a notebook and I wrote a book. I just in five days, I wrote a book called When the Moon Winks which has been published. It was published in 2019. And, um, and that kind of got things going. I published four books since 2015, I think. And um, now I have two more coming out this year. And it's just kind of uh, my life exploded into finding out that I was not only a novelist, but a poet and a screenwriter and all these other things. So it was really been fun. I, I, I'm going to jump back in just a second here um, because that last question led me to a thought. I was looking at toolkit number 10 here on page 217, where you talk about hope listening to your imagination. And you say in here that uh, without your imagination, you would have floundered like a boat with a furled sail at rest in a harbor. And I'm just wondering, because we talk about creativity, we talk about writing on this podcast People come to us having struggled to get that book into the world, put all that time into it. But in your case, uh, it sounds a bit like this was another part. I guess, what part of the house does imagination reside in? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I don't know where I put it in the book, but um, I think imagination resides in laying the foundation. I think that creativity anyway, um, comes from my higher power that, that I have to be open and willing to receive inspiration in order to get the creativity that I'm desire. And I, I have to be willing to follow the lead of that inspiration into writing whatever it is I'm writing. I mean, that, that novel that I wrote, When the Moon Winks, isn't the great American novel that I wish I'd written. It's kind of a beach read, and it's really funny. Um, but it's people love it. It's it's a great, you know, it's easy to read. You just whiz through it, and it's um, it's well written, and you know, um, but it's it's not Faulkner, you know. And I always thought I should be writing that kind of stuff. Mm. So um, so the sequel to it that is coming out this summer is equally 
speech ready. And um, I really like that. I, I like it because people say to me when they read my stuff, you know, it's, it's really easy to read, but it's well written. So that's, and that's like my poetry is very narrative poetry. Um, it's not all this convoluted T.S. Eliot stuff. It's, it's just me telling stories in my poems. And mm-hmm. um, so I have another chat book coming out this summer and um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to reaching people through my words, but that all comes from, I think from God, if you want to say that word. That's great. And and, and I'm going to give uh, Rachel the chance to ask one last question before we wrap up here. But uh, I want to tease it uh, out for our listeners here. We, we're going to have a Patreon episode here where uh, Rachel and I are going to have a conversation with Hope uh, at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Charlotte Readers Podcast. Come join us there. You've heard Hope talk about the books she's published. Uh, we're calling this episode Get Unstuck and Get Published uh, with Hope Anderson. We're going to talk about that process, how that works and everything that goes in it, uh, both the good and the bad and the struggles and the triumphs and everything <laughs> that goes with that. But uh, as I ra- as we wrap up here on my last question, Hope, um, I sometimes ask authors this question. If you could tell your younger writing self something of value that uh, would have helped your younger writing self, you know, when you first started into this thing called writing, based on what you've learned since then, can you boil it down to something? Yeah, don't try so hard. <laughs> I, I, I really think that um, I go by Lawrence Block's theory of writing, which is that if you just write five pages of writing a day, you will get a book written eventually. And if you just do that and you just trust what you're writing, don't worry about all the other stuff. I mean, I have, I have writers come to me with huge plans and outlines and backstories and everything, you know, just tons of work they've done prior to ever getting a word on page, but they're so stuck in that stuff. Just relax and enjoy it and write the story, you know? Uh (laughs) Yeah, We're going to do more of that. Rachel, you got something to wrap us up with? Yeah, actually I'm going to, um, kind of mirror your question, Landis, and, and reframe it in, uh, you know, if you had advice for a younger version of yourself, say somebody who is in the throes of alcoholism or um, going through some sort of undiagnosed um, mental disorder, what uh, advice would you give to a, that person who maybe is getting ready to embark on a, on a journey of recovery and, and is starting to remodel their, their house? Well, I'm assuming that they've already asked for help, right? Mm-hmm. So they've already asked for help. And that's the, that's the first thing that anybody needs to do. Um, if they're starting on their journey, I'd say just give time, time. Recovery mm-hmm. takes, takes time. And, and I think so often I notice in young people in the program or even older people who are just newly getting sober, that they're so impatient to have sobriety, you know, to have sobriety, um, to have it happen and to have it happen with all the mm-hmm. fireworks and everything else. And it mm-hmm. really is not, not a firework like thing. Yeah. You yeah. say you, you quote that, you know, it is not a race and there, there is no race. There is no race to win. Right. Um, right. and I think that that is, uh, that's great. It's a the perfect piece of advice. All right. So the book we've been talking about is How to Remodel a Life, A Guide to Living Well with Alcoholism and Bipolar Disorder uh, by Hope Anderson. Uh, Rachel, I want to thank you for leading this uh, discussion today. 
Thank you for having thank me. Thank you, Rachel. I appreciate yeah. it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and Hope, I want to thank you uh, for being a part of Charlotte Reader's Podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, that's it for today. Another fine author giving voice to the written words. You can subscribe to this podcast for free at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and most any podcast platform you like to listen to your podcast on. If you like what we're doing, please consider leaving a short written review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Because when you do, our authors' voices travel much farther and wider in podcast land. And if you're inclined to help us help authors give voice to the written words, and you'd like some member-only content cultivated by our authors and me as our thanks, please consider becoming a member supporter. You can find out how to become a member supporter and more about today's show and all previous episodes at charlottereaderspodcast.com. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. I'm Landis Wade for Charlotte Readers Podcast. Charlotte Readers Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. For more information, go to queencitypodcastnetwork.com.